A very happy Mother's Day to you today, all of you who are moms, but even if you aren't, I just want to thank you for the impact that you make in children's lives. My children have certainly been blessed by women in our lives who aren't mothers, who aren't grandmothers, but they are such encouraging, loving people who have definitely spoken into my children's lives. So I just want to validate if you've never had a child, but you have somehow, some way um, been a part of a child's life, then you are important and I appreciate you. We have a very special Mother's Day episode for you today. If you've heard my friend and a fellow Time of Grace writer and blogger, Linda Bucks on the show before, you'll be excited to know that she's back. Today, Linda and I discuss our identities and how we sometimes let them label who we are instead of how God sees us. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Hey, it's Amber L.B. Swenson, wife, mother, worrier, overthinker, type A, holding on to God and his promises to get me through the day. Thanks for joining me to explore everyday issues from a biblical perspective so we can all know and love God more. So first of all, welcome, Linda. Thanks, Amber. Thanks for having me. Yeah, pleasure. Um, we put a lot of labels on people, don't we, as far as identity goes. So, for instance, what labels would you be wearing? I wear writer, mom, wife, employee, daughter, all sorts of things like that. We tend to put labels on ourselves. Absolutely. I'm right there with you. I guess I would probably say... Mom, first probably like you, and wife, blogger, speaker, author, all of those. Um, sometimes we even get a little um, nasty in our labels. So nerdy, dorky. Um. I tend to wear those proudly. <laughs> That's good. But you know, it's funny because if you tweak the label even just a little bit, nerdy can be intelligent. Mm -hmm. So you could take it from being sort of a bad connotation to a good one. Or even as far as... Um, nerdy or that guy's really um, awkward, if it's quirky, it's kind of cool. Yeah. You know, so sometimes just tweaking things a little bit, how much does perspective have with identity, have to do with identity? For me, it was huge. And I'll go back to an experience I had right when I got married. So before I married my husband, I was working here at St. Marcus, running an after-school ministry. I was working for a number of ministries, singing in a Christian contemporary group, and that was all awesome, and I loved my life. And then when my husband and I got married, I moved to Alaska with him, and then I had nothing. And it was one where I felt a little lost. Like, I stayed in our apartment with our dog and I'd go for walks and I felt like I didn't know who I was anymore. And I finally had to just keep telling myself. I remember walking next to the ocean through the state park going, you are a daughter of the king. You are a daughter of the king. Realizing that I had made my identity what I did. And it was all these things for Jesus had given me identity. And when that was all stripped away, I was a little lost. I have noticed the same thing. I work a lot with teens, and then I have my own children too. And I have seen teens who are the high school football star 
all of a sudden go off to college and lose their identity because they're not playing football all of a sudden. And so they suddenly go, wait a second, I am a high school football star, but I'm no longer in high school. So now who am I? So sometimes those labels can really get us into a bad situation when we've labeled ourselves employee or whatever, and then we suddenly find that that label doesn't fit us anymore. Absolutely. So when we're dealing with identity, what is our best approach as far as, you said that when you were in Alaska, you really had to just remind yourself over and over that you were a daughter of the king. So that no matter what else you did, that was your identity and that's your basis. So how do we teach or how do we help people recognize that when they're in that really hard spot of really not knowing who they are? I have two thoughts. I'm not sure which I want to pick first. <laughs> um, Max Lucado wrote a really great book about it. And it was how all these wooden creatures had been sculpted. I remember that because they all had these really awkward names. Yes. All the creatures. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And they would give each other stars if they did good things or dots if they did bad things. And one boy had all these dots because everybody made fun of him. You know, for him, nerdy and dorky and quirky were, would be negatives. And, but there was one girl and she would go see her maker. She would go see Eli. And he's like, why don't you have anything, stars or dots? She's like, well, it doesn't matter what the other Wemmicks, that's what they were called, what the other right. Wemmicks thought. It mattered what my maker thought, the one who sculpted me and carved me and created me. And I think that is a huge thing. So for me, it was reading that book to my kids a lot when they were little and then taking that message for myself. I love that. I love that so much because when we are feeling really bad about our situation in life and when we're struggling with our identity, God isn't sitting up in heaven going, boy, I just don't know what she is anymore. He's looking at us going, wow, you are the exact same child that I loved back when you were doing all that other stuff. And now here you are and I love you just as much. Nothing has changed in my eyes. So I think that's a huge point that if we can switch the focus from how we're feeling about ourselves to remember how God feels about us, that's a huge part of who our identity is. We're children of God, Absolutely. first and foremost. Yeah. That can never change. Right. And I do one thing with my kids that is stuck for them, where I tell them, your value is not based in your performance. Like if they're going to something sporting related that they're nervous about, or when they're nervous about their test, it was reminding them that I don't love them less if they don't do well, if, you know, they miss a tackle, if they screw up on basketball, if they don't get 100%. I don't love them less. I just love them because they're mine. And then remind them that that's the same way God feels about them and about me. Like, he just loves me because I'm his. On the other side, my kids tend to be high achieving. And I have to remind them, your value is not based in your performance on that side either. Like, if they are doing super great, I don't love them more. You know, just because my kids are 
good grade getters. You know, that doesn't make me love them more. I would love them if they didn't get those grades. And same with God, which is for me a little hard too. It's like, wait a minute, I do all this stuff for Jesus. <laughs> right. God, that doesn't make God love me more? And it doesn't. And I think it's hard to wrap your head around the fact that God loves you fully, just how you are. And then the stuff you do is just stuff you do. It's not who you are. You know, one interesting thing I've noticed with high achieving kids is that they're afraid to fail. And that is not so much a problem for kids who struggle because kids who struggle fail all the time and they have learned to keep going because they fail constantly. So they've learned to keep going. But I have found that I've had to talk a lot of my youth group kids into being okay with failure. It's okay to fail. Like, keep trying different things. Try new things. And if it doesn't go well, then it doesn't go well. And for the high achievers, they, that's just this crazy, what are you talking about? I don't want to fail. But the whole concept that if you fail, you've lost nothing in your identity. You're still a child of God. So you can have the freedom to go ahead and do things. And if it doesn't go well or the way you wanted, so be it. We'll be back with this episode in just a minute. But first I want to pass along something that might help your faith journey. It's Mother's Day. And I just want to remind you that the most important thing you can do as a mom is stay in God's word. I don't care if you use one of my Bible studies or you just read the word on your own or you can do what I've been doing with two friends since January. Each day we read a psalm and text our thoughts and observations and even background commentary information to each other. Being grounded in the word will produce the fruit of the spirit and you will be a different mom. For more Bible study helps and suggestions, visit my brand new and way improved website at amberlbswenson.org. Back to today's episode. I don't know if you feel it too, but like we kind of have public lives. I share a lot about our family's quirkiness in my writing and that whole concept of but I don't have to be perfect. And it's okay to say our silly moments. It's okay to say the moments that we have screwed up, but to not like be thrilled about them, not to be like, look how bad I am, but to just go, but Jesus, Jesus blood covered it all. And that's okay. And Linda, I would be nothing if it wasn't for failure. This (laughs) podcast is first podcast. I sent to time of grace. I got a, a email back that said, um, Amber, we're pretty sure you were talking into the wrong end of the microphone. <laughs> you know, that's just life. So, okay, great. Let's keep going. That doesn't mean I'm not going to podcast. That just means I have to turn the microphone around or stand on my head, one or the other. Right. So, Isn't it, there's that quote from Thomas Edison about the light bulb? Yeah, it took him, what, like a thousand tries or yeah, something? Yeah, a thousand or ten thousand. And he's like, I didn't fail. I just found ten thousand ways it didn't work. <laughs> right. And getting that switch, too, of if you do fall, get back up and try again. You know, my family holds hands and prays in a circle each morning before we head off. And almost every day, who's ever taking the turn to pray, we're like, your mercies are new every morning. It's like, you can't use that up. It's not like, oh, 
I've used up, you know, God only gives me seven pounds of mercy and I'm at 6.9. I shouldn't screw up. It's like, no, here's more mercy. Here's more mercy. My cup overflows. His mercy overflows. It's new every morning. So that's fine. You screwed up. Try again. Yep. I love that. And that is, that is the beauty of being a Christian is that God, like you said, isn't in heaven going, oh, you screwed up yesterday. So I love you a little less today. Yeah. Try to make it up. You know, we are loved, forgiven children of God. And that brings me, in fact, to the passage from Scripture that I wanted to use, which is from 1 Peter 2.9. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. God's special possession is the new version. We used to know it as a people belonging to God. And I love those words. I mean, you cannot change that we're chosen. We are chosen by God. We are not, you know, believers by accident. We're royal. I mean, you know the obsession with royals. God looks at us that way. We don't have to try to prove something to him. We're holy. And again, like you said, we screwed up. God sees us as holy because he's looking at us through Jesus. And then that we belong. You know, we're God's special possession. What more do we need for identity than to carry those words with us throughout the day that we are chosen, royal, holy, and we belong to God. I mean, no matter what comes our way, no matter how badly we fail, or no matter how great we do, you know, we don't have to pat ourselves on the back as in, oh, I'm more chosen today. (laughs) No, you're actually not. (laughs) You're just as chosen as when you fall flat on your face. the same amount of chosen (laughs) as yesterday. Which that makes me think, too, of C.S. Lewis in Screwtape Letters. And I can't remember if it's chapter 14 or chapter 17. Ooh, I think you're loved a little less. I know, right? (laughs) Um, But he talks about when you know the gifts God has given you, you can't be arrogant about them. You can be no more proud of the gifts he's given you than the color of your hair. Because I can't take credit for being a brunette. I can't take credit for writing. Right. But what I also love is he talks about, but if you downplay those gifts, then you are not giving glory to the one who made you. Yeah. And finding that balance of being humble about it, knowing that it is a gift from God, but also not being like, oh, no, I don't have that gift. The false modesty. Yes. Right. And I think identity is built in that, too, where if you just see everything as a gift from God, then it's easy to give him the glory. If you think you've earned it, you know, maybe you've developed it by working on it. It's still his gift. Yep. And the whole stewardship thing and just all of us being the one body, you know, we're all working towards the same goal. So (laughs) I just love, you know, that whole concept that you can't say, oh, I'm a finger. I'm way better than the foot, you know, I'm, I'm way better than the toe. No, you're part of the same body. Yep. So like you said, don't downplay it, but don't pat yourself on the back either. Just use your gifts mm-hmm. in God's kingdom and just recognize, you know, one thing I recognize is that I don't know that you necessarily feel better writing the third book than you did the first book. You know what I mean? It's just another book. And I realized that this is what I can do for the kingdom during this part of my life. And there will be a time that that part of my life will be over. And so you just, you thank God for where you are today and you use your gifts 
to his glory in the kingdom. And then you pray that you have people around you when you're not doing that who remind you that you're still chosen and royal, holy, and belong, mm -hmm. regardless of where you are. And when you talk, that makes me think of seasons of life. Yes. Because like, right now, this is what you can do. And I think everybody goes through an identity shift when their season shifts. You know, for me, it was more of an identity shift right when I got married. And all of a sudden, I'm on an island in Alaska. And there's not a lot to do. I mean, there's a lot to do there, but there wasn't a lot to do that I was used to doing. Right. And so it had to remind myself there, daughter of the king. And then all of a sudden, when I had three kids in three and a half years, and I was all wrapped up in them, that's an identity shift. And I shouldn't try to be who I was then with who I am now. And... Praise the Lord, I actually do really well moving through seasons. I don't struggle too much after that initial one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think that was a good, hard, powerful lesson. But now with one kid off in college and two at home, I'm enjoying it. Because it's like, oh, I wonder what part of my identity and my personality and my gifts I get to use now. And it's fun watching my kids have new gifts. And I think if we maybe don't worry so much about who we are and just do what's in front of us, our identity doesn't become the focus. We take that off of focusing on us and putting the focus on what we're doing to bring God glory. I think that's huge. I remember when my youngest was going to start school and that was the year that they switched from half day kindergarten to all day kindergarten. And I had this thought that went through my mind, like, what am I gonna do now? And I just prayed and said, Lord, I have no idea what I'm going to do, but you clearly knew this was going to happen. And the transition went super smoothly. You know, I just had more than enough to do, took on another job, blah, 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 blah. And I think just recognizing that this is a change in season. Mm -hmm. You know, the same with empty nesting and children going off to college or getting married or having a child. Mm -hmm. It's all change in seasons, mm -hmm. but not identity. Right. Just a difference in role. I have a quote from Lisa Turkhurst. Are you familiar with Lisa from Proverbs 31 yes. ministry? Okay, so she says, remember who you are. Don't compromise for anyone, for any reason. You are a child of the almighty God and live that truth. Mm -hmm. I think especially as I have um, young adults right now, that's really important for me to remind them that you're a child, child of the almighty God. So you don't have to change who you are mm -hmm. in your circumstances depending on what group of friends you're with or where you're at tonight, doesn't change that you are a child of the almighty God. Once you said, remember who you are, memory came flooding back. One of my college roommates, her dad died right before our senior year in college. And every time they went on vacation, anytime they left the house, he would say, remember who you are. And she was our class speaker, mm -hmm. and so was a woman who came to school from Africa. Yeah. And at the time, The Lion King was the big movie, and that's when he was telling Simba, too, right? Remember who you are. And so all these messages, I just remember thinking that was so powerful for her to be able to share with the whole graduating class. The message her dad had shared with her was, remember who you are. When you step foot outside, 
for me, I'm a daughter of the king. I am God's child. I am redeemed. And to think of that whenever you meet anyone. And whenever your seasons change. Yes. You know, remember who you are. You're still a daughter of the king. I work with the elderly. And so for me, I, I deal with people at the very end of their life or the last stages of their life when a lot of times they aren't able to do the things that they used to do. And that can be extremely difficult to come to terms with. And it's my job in part to remind them that you still have value. Mm -hmm. And just spending time with me adds value to my life. And even if you can't do the things you used to, to do, if God still has you on this earth, you are valuable to him and you're valuable to society and you're valuable to me. And that's not a me message that they get a lot. No, it isn't. I mean, They're forgotten by society for yeah. the most part. You know, if you are not able to do meaningful activities, a lot of people forget to ask you to do things. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, remember who you are. Um, D.L. Moody said, Character is what a, what a man is in the dark. So your identity, you know, some people like to put on a persona when they're with certain people, mm -hmm. but when they're with other people, they're <laughs> a completely different person, but not so with the Christian. You know, I think of Joseph with Potiphar's wife. He was the same person, regardless of if he was in the house alone with a woman hitting on him, or if he was working in a house that was full of people. His identity was the same. He was a child of the king, and he was going to serve the king. And I, I just love the idea that, you know, your identity doesn't change circumstances, seasons of life, but also when no one's looking. Right. When you're alone, nobody's looking, your identity is the same. Um, how does social media fit into identity today, do you think? I think it's everything with how, especially kids, how they are forming their identity, you know, my daughter, the other day, I was working on my Instagram account and I was planning on doing a couple of posts and she's like, well, what's your aesthetic? And I said, my aesthetic is that I'm a woman in her late forties and I'm going to post whatever I want to post. Like, and she's like, mom, everybody has an aesthetic. And I'm like, no, not everybody does. And I just laugh because now I look and I see people who use the same filter. People who have the grid is super important on your Instagram post. People whose Facebook posts have to be perfect. Um, and so I think we form so much of our identity on what we get to present, which might be refreshing to people. Like, I can finally be who I want to be. But it's also super dangerous. Right. I look at social media as an iceberg. We see that tiny, tiny tip. And what we don't see is all the stuff below the surface. Yeah. For a while, I, when we went on vacation, I would post pictures afterwards, and then I'd do the blooper reel. Mm -hmm. You know, the real pictures of us, like, sweating and mm -hmm. about ready to beat each other up and... You know, all those, just because I, I thought it was important that people saw that the smiley pictures weren't the whole story. That's that's the tip of the iceberg. And there are a few, um, what do they call them, influencers who are right. starting to do that. Right. Who are like, 
oh, look, here's the picture of how I look this way. Now here's what I actually looked like when I didn't turn to the side, when I didn't do this, when I didn't do that. And so I think so many people look at Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, you know, not that Twitter's as visual, but that they are getting to be somebody that maybe they want to be. Right. But they know that's not who they really are or feeling that they have to keep up this perfect identity. Right. But yet, to be fair, I don't like to follow the people who throw all their garbage on it either. <laughs> like, that's not a great way. Like, I think you need to be real to show the blooper reel and to say how Jesus has redeemed that blooper reel and to show the good things, too, and say, this is such a gift, a blessing, a good thing from God. Yeah. And I tend to be this, I have the same attitude that you have, even for the time of grace posts. You know, I'm likely to send a picture of me going to the farmer's market on a Saturday morning, no makeup with my hat on, you know, that says pray. Because to me, again, I'm not going to base my identity on what I'm supposed to look like. And if I get up and I I don't have makeup on, but I'm spending a morning with my husband. That's all great. You know, I don't, um, but I'm 45. I'm not 19. It's a different world for young people who are probably way more susceptible to the criticism that they could get if they posted real pictures. And I just think it's um, really important that they understand that's not their identity. It's their persona. It's so... Absolutely. That is one thing where I'm thankful that my kids, while they are on social media, we will look critically at certain things and go, oh, look at that Photoshop. Oh, look at this filter. Oh, look at that funny caption. Right. And going back to your value is not based in your performance. Your value is not based in your social media page. Your value is not based on who the world thinks you are, but on who God thinks you are and uh. says you are. Yes, yes, who God says you are. And I think that that's a great place to end this, is just realizing that God sees and knows everything about us and loves us anyway, that that's not going to change. This has been Little Things, because in God's kingdom, the little things are the big things. Thank you for listening. And for those of you who have been listening for any amount of time, thanks for your support and encouragement through this last year. I really appreciate it. If you could think of one person who might benefit from this message today, would you consider sharing it with them? And would you take the time to rate and review this podcast? It helps it become more visible to other people and just gets the word out that we're here. Thanks so much and happy Mother's Day.